This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon, and in the name of the moon, you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words with no faith is empty. I stayed the course, though my haters tempt me. Beat the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk Time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. Folks, we are back with another fun-filled episode. We got a lot of news to talk about, but on the top of our segment of this show, which is our talk topic of the week, we're going to be covering two shows. One, it is going to be The Knights of Zodiac on Netflix, which is AKA Saint Seiya, uh, the new version, not the original series, which is available on Netflix. Everything Saint Seiya is available on Netflix right now. Uh, if you're a hardcore otaku, you damn sure should know what that is, and you damn sure should respect the legend that Saint Seiya is, and the fact that Netflix got him. Um, it's a, it's awesome. It's awesome. At least we got that as opposed to another studio production of anime that we're going to talk about on our next segment right now but we're going to talk about that second season came in a six episode uh season came in i'm going to talk about how i felt about it and um definitely it's something you may want to invest in for your viewership and your binge uh list so we also going to be talking about the chilling adventures of sabrina season three is here and man is a, did a lot happen on this season it was crazy i hopefully i'll be able to grasp everything that has happened and be able to cover i, I wrote uh, quite a bit of notes for that season to get around everything that has happened it was, it was a lot so we're going to talk about that but i guarantee you you know another very intriguing season as well so before i get to the next segment i wanted to piggyback off of what i talked about last uh podcast which was the select star video game podcast and that is my man mega ran who's theme music you hear every single week on this show you heard it before you got here absolutely love it i don't know how he wrote what he wrote he basically wrote the status of my life of what's going on right now and it's awesome um 
he he's amazing he's amazing and amazing for a reason if you guys remember or if you didn't hear mega ram was under the radar probably one of the biggest names in hollywood today in pop culture today that is none other than dwayne johnson the rock the most electrifying man in sports entertainment today uh if you guys as you guys may know especially wrestling fans uh soul man rocky johnson also a huge legend in black history for pro wrestling uh also the father of the rock uh, but amongst that he is his own legend he has his own great legacy and mega Rand knew this but also knew that other people may not have known this they probably just known him as the rock's father so mega as a wrestling fan himself took it upon himself to write a tribute to soul man rocky johnson and he did so in the coolest heartfelt way he managed to tag Dwayne Johnson, not knowing, because when you tag somebody, they don't. They probably see it sometimes, or they don't. They saw it. They, they, they I mean, I want to even say they. He saw that. And he not only praised the freestyle that Mega did in honor of Rocky Johnson, the soul man, he retweeted it, endorsed it and praised it and since that time when i first saw it it was up to eleven thousand likes it was viewed by over a hundred thousand people i looked at it again just recently because i do follow the rock who doesn't it went over fifteen thousand. now why is that special and i'll tell you why it's mostly because just recently, The Rock was at an event with Oprah, one of Oprah's uh, panels or whatever like that. And, you know, they had an interview from that. It's been up for 12 hours. Within that 12 hours, it has gotten up to 6,000. I think when I first saw Mega's uh, tweet, it was already eight hours in there. And it was already reached to 11,000. And Rock also has... Two other Oprah-related tweets that he retweeted on there. One only got 1,000. One, I think, a little bit over that or less than that. The point is, Mega Rant's post, his loving tribute to his father, got way more than Oprah. Take that into consideration. <laughs> that is absolutely phenomenal. It couldn't happen to a more deserving and talented person i the reason why i wanted him to work on this theme music the reason why that i enjoy interviewing with him and talking with him and, uh hanging out with him when i can and when he comes into town or whatever like when he invited me to come down to uh, his show uh at i think uh last december I don't get to see him much is he's a really good dude i was like i was honored to come down to see him and say hi and whatnot uh it was really cool it was i mean it's just really cool to see this dude because i like dudes like that inspire me they work more for passion than for payment but when they get paid they deserve every bit of money that they get paid for listen to that rewind that again and listen to that when you are quality you deserve every bit of pay for the passion that is being put upon that's a great he's a great example of that we get a, we have a lot in common because we both are contractors within our fields of what we do we sometimes get the same good clients and and clients that suck 
<laughs> too as well. But the fact that he is getting this praise for what he's done and the hard work that I know how much hard work he's done. If you haven't understand the road that Raheem Jarbo has gone through, go back on the talktimelive.com into the exclusives page and listen to the interview that I had with him. Uh, the two in both interviews that I had with him, but the in particular, the very first one that I had with him. And he tells his story of how this all started and why he did what he did and all the hard work that he had to do. The reason why I love doing these interviews is because you get people like him who keep it real, who tells who tell people like it's not an easy road to go in. But when you have that much passion and you have that much fun and when you work hard to have fun, you will eventually get to that point. You know, you you pay for your passion and your passion eventually will pay you back. Trust me when I tell you. And, it, and if you focus, if your whole focus of doing what we do and doing everything that we do is monetary people, you got the wrong idea. You got the very much wrong idea. If you want money, go work at a place that you can easily get money. But when you do stuff like this, it requires more than just monetary because you're not going to get monetary when you first start. It's not going to be like you're not going to be able to afford things when you first start off or the first few years or whatnot. And that's just not just in, in the world of entertainment. That's just business in general, to be honest. When you start your own business, when you start your own business and you start as a sole proprietor or, or anything, you're not making that much money. I, I, I mean, one of the biggest examples, indie wrestling. These those guys don't get paid nothing. They get paid jack until they start building their um, their, you know, they start building themselves. They start branding themselves better. They start, you know, they find their niche when you get into all that. But you have to learn all that. It's not like you just up and do it. You have to learn all that. You got to go to school. You got to know how to do business. You got to do the right things. You had to you have to have a certain code of conduct and etiquette and everything like that. You got to do it when you get he got that recognition. He gets the Guinness Book of World Records. He gets all of that because he paid in passion. And from that, passion paid him back. And it's continuing to do so. And I'm sure, like I said, we both had our great clients. We had our we have uh, crappy clients who try to get over on us every single time. He has bookers that, it, that has tried to get over on him at many times, probably even recently and still. But the fact of the matter is, he earns everything he deserves. And if he's talking quality, you better pay him quality. So, you know, shout out to him once again and thank him and Kay Murdoch for once again doing this this um, show and doing the music for the show every week. It's awesome. Uh, thank DJ Cutman as well. He's another one. Another one. My neighbor. Hardworking dude. Always providing all of the music from GameChops.com. Shout out to him. I don't get him. I, I know I have my little sound bite at the end, but I gotta praise him. He's a he's a phenomenal dude. These guys are some of the inspirational guys that I know because they are the hardest working dudes I know, and they all rock from Philly. Even though Mitt Rand is in Phoenix, he is a Philly dude, uh, born and bred. So. Um, like I said, we got a lot of news to cover this week, so let's not waste any more time, folks. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG.
All right. So probably one of the most significant news articles that I saw this week was from IGM.com, who reports that Universal Studios is looking to create a theme park on the Nintendo franchise. Uh, according to the article, Universal parent uh, company Comcast announced that the theme park will be named Super Nintendo World and it will be set to open in 2023. The first one is set is said to be open this summer in Japan. Uh, there are pictures that show the development of, J- of the Japan theme park on Twitter. Um, from what I saw there, uh, there you can see that it looks like a 2D side-scrolling stage in a Mario game, complete with the trees, clouds, power blocks, and the flag, the familiar uh, iconic flagpole with the M on it, uh, which is very familiar to gamers who play the games. Um, the park is said to include a lot of Nintendo merchandise, rides based on Mario Kart and Yoshi's Island, and rumored to include the and some assimilation uh between some of the themes and uh and the park and the nintendo switch console so if you bring your nintendo switch console there may be some type of uh wi-fi connected type of situation going on there with your account so that would be pretty awesome um the plan for the japan park is to open just in time for the much talked about 2020 olympics which will feature some of anime's most famous and popular characters in that country and in the world for that matter uh as this year's mascots now it's funny it's funny that you say that um it's funny i talk about the olympics too uh i am looking forward this is probably the first time i actually want to check out universal studios because i hear that it's a great theme park but i'm like disney world is right there and i I'll, you know i don't know if i'm always afraid that i'm not going to get that same disney experience because that disney Disney World, just from a business standpoint, is just ridiculously great. And I am always afraid, but I I hear always great things about Universal Studios um, Park. And this may be the one intriguing theme that may get me to want to come to check this out. So uh, as far as the Olympics, it's funny that you said that because a colleague, a friend of mine and yeah, I, I would say, yeah, a colleague of mine, an old college friend, uh, Kim uh, Lewis, uh, one of my dearest, dearest friends, and again, another really talented person. She's actually working with me on some visual things for ACMG right now. And um, we talk a lot. She's also a graphic designer, UX engineer, a art director as well. We went to the same school. Uh, we, we, you know, art and design school. We studied, we actually at one point myself her and many other students that i used to hang around lived in my house um during our college years for a certain extent they rented out i i had them rent out rooms from the house it was really cool uh you know times in my life one of some of the best times in my life was you know uh, hanging with those guys but um she's now working for she's a emmy award nominated art director let me rephrase that let me respectfully rephrase that and she has done work for nbc universal she's done work for um comcast as well i mean she's she's really established extremely established graphic artist and um she has told me because she's working with the olympics right now she's um working on that project apparently they're not focusing on the anime aspect of the um of the olympics for some reason like they they have their own focus they're going to do their own type of theme or whatever i think it's kind of a mistake in my point 
uh, but that's what they're going to do. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. They want to, I mean, when it comes to America, I guess we're a little bit more conservative. I hope that when we watch the Olympics, that they do show the anime elements of it. I think it's a crime that we're not embracing the theme that Japan is doing this year. I think it's ridiculous, but it's, it goes to show that when you got a certain type of NBC is a certain type of demographic and they feel that the demographic won't match with the demographic that Japan is trying to market it to. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. I'm not really sure. And but we'll I mean, honestly, we'll see. But I trust I know Kimmy will actually be able to do a fantastic job of what they're going to set up for the Olympics graphic wise and everything. So I'm just happy that she's working with me because uh, we're working on some really cool things. She's um, if you're in the ACMG group, you may have seen some of the things that she and I were working on and are working on. Um, we're working on doing some video things again. I'm working on doing some video things again. But, you know, just the fact that she's working on the Olympics, you know, project and stuff like that. And uh, the fact that they're not working on the anime, it's really it's a shame. I mean, but again, they have their they have their demo, their target demo, and it may not be people who are fans of that. So it, 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 you kind of understand that situation in a sense. But, hey, I mean, it is what it is. NBC also, got to remember, is the is the network that also canceled Constantine because they didn't know how to work it. And, no, CBS was the one that had Supergirl, and they canceled So those two have similarities. They tried to get into the game, but they couldn't handle the game. CW took it and ran with it like crazy. Now they got both Constantine and Supergirl on that network, and boom. So, I mean, you take it for what it is. It is what it is. It ain't what it ain't. But I'm looking forward to seeing this uh, theme park, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what it does. From what, from what I've seen from the Japan version, it looks awesome looks very awesome i would love to go there and you know get some you know exclusive nintendo merch and stuff like that and really to be able to experience that pretty cool uh a lot of netflix news we're going to be talking about today a lot of netflix that we're going to talk about today um if you are fans of the witcher which i am officially am because of the tv series the netflix series if you will i started you know and not only just the netflix series but also the votes that came in for the best of the decade voting on our ACMG Facebook group, which the third highest votes went to Witcher 3 as one of the best games of the decade. I decided to invest in getting the Witcher 3 for the Nintendo Switch. And I am I, it's and I played Breath of the Wild, too, and it has the same similarity type of experience there. But I think Breath of the Wild does capitalize on a lot of things that the witcher 3 does and they, and they were years apart so you do gotta remember that however one visually on a nintendo switch even on a handheld mode looks phenomenal two i'm still playing this damn game like it's it's like just it's like just doing everyday life that's how i feel like when i play this damn game there's so much you're doing here there's never this you're not ever going the same direction as any other gamer who's ever played the game everybody has their own direction and results and whatever it's an amazing game it is absolutely an amazing game i do wish that they would actually provide better design clothing but that's a whole other thing um but i digress if you love the witcher netflix series then you're gonna absolutely love what i got to say right now netflix announced that the that there will be an animated series on netflix based on the witcher and it is in development 
you're gonna even love more of this news. As a part of the Netflix original animated series lineup, the film entitled The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf is officially in the works following their successful live action series starring Henry Cavill. He did a, he did an absolutely great job. He did a great job right there um, with that series. I, he was convincing uh, Geralt to me. Uh, the team behind the movies the movie includes the Witcher uh, producer, Lauren uh, Hishrish, and hopefully I'm getting it right, and Bo DeMeo, along with uh, Studio Mirror. Now, if that sounds familiar, uh, that is the Korean animation animated studio behind The Legend of Korra, which that is phenomenal artwork, uh, art design, and the recent Voltron Legendary Defenders, which everybody absolutely, undeniably loved i never heard one bad thing about that series from anybody that people thought that that was even better than the original series and it's hard not to argue it's hard to argue that it really is hard to argue that they did such a great job with that version um now i do want to point out while people are now while people and somewhat netflix is labeling this anime this is always one of my pet peeves of this day and age we do have to note that this is not an authentic art style created in the in the tradition of Japan style anime. I think that for some reason, the term which was originated for Japan is now being adopted by everybody else. And I to me, that irks me. That absolutely irks the hell out. For those who don't know, especially this the people in this generation. Anime was a, as a term that was created in the late 80s, early 90s, or yeah, more early 90s. And then it was between people were calling it two things. It was Japanimation and anime. Um, Japanimation was the term exclusively used for anime, for what is now known as anime. And then after a while, we just uh, totally adopted the term anime because one, it was a shorter term. It sounded more trendy and it was a distinction from the animation that we were doing in america which was a huge contrast especially during that time now i see that everybody is labeling anime and now netflix has done it too there are some things that they consider anime that is not anime at least not the heart of what anime used to be i truly me personally my opinion i do not think that everything should be labeled with the term anime anime provides a certain distinction of art style like you look at like i said you look at saint Seiya, you look at uh anything dragon ball it, it, first of all it has to be in the respect of japan i'll give you an example i can tell you what i can consider anime because one it was done in the studios in tokyo two it was done in the at every bit of the respect of anime Cannon Busters. Cannon Busters was created by an African American who moved to Tokyo to and who, who works in an anime studio to make this manga that he created. That to me is anime. He made he did everything in respect. If you watch Cannon Busters on Netflix, that is a direct respectful anime when done in a tradition and anime style. I just don't like the fact that we're using it too loosely for every animated feature that comes out now. That to me, it, it, it just, it irks me. It really irks me. Like, how will we distinct 
that art style to everything else. We can't, not everything deserves to be considered an anime. Does not, absolutely does not. It is not in any respect. Now granted, because of anime or Japanimation, maybe we should just go back to Japanimation, I don't know. But because of anime, I do believe that it has helped stepped up the game of a lot of animation studios. I would give one example, Warner Brothers Animation. When Dragon Ball Z came out, that absolutely inspired Justice League Unlimited and then even The Matrix because the Wachowskis were, uh, said that a lot of what was done uh, and a lot of what inspired them in The Matrix was absolutely based on anime and, and at the time there was no other real big anime known but Dragon Ball. And if you watch Matrix Revolution, that fight scene between Neo and Smith, absolutely, absolutely based on um, the based on anime and in particular Dragon Ball. Man is still. It ain't no way in hell the fight scenes on that movie wasn't based on uh, Dragon Ball. You know, it wasn't it wasn't inspired by that. So uh, a lot of anime has been based on that, but this in particular film, The Witcher is an animated feature it's korean animation and it's not a bad thing because they are phenomenal at what they do as well china china also has their own animation studio uh i don't know the direct term for that but i you, there was a term for their uh, style of anime too they wanted to market their own style of anime and label it something you can't make it anime anime was meant to be a name strictly dedicated for the style that japan does and I love when people say that like Tetsuo Adam and all that isn't and no, it is. It is. It was just wasn't labeled that until that. But it was it's a direct descent of art style based in the Japan tradition. The way they do their eyes, the way that they the uh, the animation, the movement, the de- uh, attention to detail, the simplicity and complexity of it, it all of that the, the symmetry and asymmetry of how they make phenomenal animation i'm watching say like on my screen right now is like um, it's the old saint Seiya uh animated show from the 80s which is on netflix right now it's on my screen right now as we're talking the way that they direct the fight scenes and they do everything it's still it's still some ways far and away of some of the animated shows that you know that is out right now that's on cartoon network or adult swim whatever like some really well done shows you're not gonna call you know uh ed ed and eddie anime you know you're just not you're not gonna call doug anime you're not gonna call any of the teen titans go anime no you can't it just it's just not so but i digress again the Witcher, uh, there's no word on when this is coming out, but it is in the works and it is possible that it will be out this year. The story of the film is set to expand the story of the original books, which is introduced and introduces a new threat, a new terrible threat that is coming. So I'm looking forward to it. The Witcher is I I, I have to admit, I'm becoming a big fan of it, not fanatically like other people are. There are some big fanatics about it. It is a really cool show. It's a really great video game. Um, and I'm sure the books are just as great as well. 
I'm sure the books is just as great. I probably would never read the books at all. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I love what they're doing with it right now. And just keep the momentum going with that. Uh, more Netflix news. And this is the one that's going to be heartbreaking for anybody who's listening right now. And it has been because Netflix has indeed brought excitement and anger for anime fans this week as the announcement of Studio Ghibli was added to the lineup made for fans and disappointed other fans. Here's why. Netflix made a huge announcement this week um, that they their entire library of Studio Ghibli was acquired by Netflix. I've had people post this on the ACMG Facebook group and even myself. I didn't realize this and I thought we were finally getting it because there's some things there's some movies I have not watched I watched Spirited Away I believe I saw uh, Kiki's Delivery Service way back um, Totoro uh, I have never watched before but I've heard so many things and it, if you don't know what Studio Ghibli is and you know for hardcore anime fans and or, or otaku in a sense um, Studio Ghibli is a anime studio one of the most legendary anime studios ever and they are responsible for creating some of the biggest masterpiece animated masterpieces um films ever just the way that it was animated the frame by frame the again attention to like this is this is anime you can pay this is i'm not getting to that discussion again but you know what i'm getting at this is a clear example of that this is pure anime at its purest anime at its purest now upon this announcement people were excited however while everybody was excited people here in the u.s unfortunately learned that only the filmography will be available everywhere except the u.s japan and canada now japan is no big deal for japan because they're they one there's they have every way of getting that you know so that's it's not too much of a big deal but canada and u.s that's a big 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 letdown and i'm not complaining too much because like i'm saying i'm watching saint Seiya, a anime series that was extremely popular back in the day before there was ronan warriors there was this and we got all of the original episodes and we got every single ova and all that stuff that's on here so i am not hating on this that much but it would have been really cool to have i know there are other people who didn't think it thoroughly like I who are so pissed um if anyone if anyone in America however would like to see the series not to worry the series of films are or will be available via HBO Max when it launches in May now if you remember the episode uh the um the new streaming network which is going to be created by HBO because now they're jumping also jumping into the the uh battle between netflix hulu disney plus wwe network and every goddamn thing out here they they decided they wanted to put their two cents into it and they wanted to grab their own exclusives one of which if you guys remember they are they will be premiering the brand new reboot of the boondocks as well on hbo max so if you want to see these great masterpieces like castle in the sky my neighbor totoro kiki's delivery service and many more you'll have to invest in yet another streaming network. So tax season is coming. Put out your pockets. Get ready <laughs> to see how much you spent on all these damn streaming networks. And it's insane. It is utterly. In 
it's getting too oversaturated. And I've been saying this for a long time, and I'm, I love, and I said a long time ago, especially when I did the episode where we talked about all these oversaturations of uh, shows coming out, that it was going to be overkill. It is going to be overkill. It is coming. There's, I mean, they talk about that with professional wrestling now, but I would say that the streaming industry, streaming network industry is already at the point of oversaturation. You cannot afford all of these damn films, all of these uh, streaming networks. And I know there's going to be a lot of people who want it and they're going to get it and not doing the numbers, knowing whether they possibly can or cannot afford to be paying for all these streaming networks. It's just ridiculous. Um, it, it's, it's sad and ridiculous for that matter. And then on top of that, some people pay for cable. So it's 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 crazy. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it is. But it's, it's very interesting. This was one of the aggressive highlights of the week for some people <laughs> for that matter. Uh, I want to give my thoughts on the follow up to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, God, what a journey did we have for those segments, uh, man. So I want to talk about this. this is the last bit of news I want to talk about or last things this is going on in the world of ACMG. So let's follow up on what happened with Crisis, the aftermath of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Let's start with Batwoman. Um, the thought of this episode was uh, okay. I, I, this It was an okay follow up for me for Batwoman. Uh, we saw Kate return with the knowledge of everything that has happened in Crisis. If you know the Paragons, or the paradigms i forgot what they call paragons of paradigms um you know they came back to this this new rebirth reality with every bit of knowledge of knowing what happened up to that point so you have that going on and then she has to deal once again with her sister alice uh as she was searching for a girl who has the ability to hack into almost everything in the city uh that girl was also going through her own dilemma of trying to live in a world that um she thought didn't accept her for who she was and she's lesbian so it's it's a there's a really good episode that carries a really heavy message of what's going on today and it's it, you know it's it's so sad that we still at 2020 that we're still doing episodes that talk about people not being accepted and you know uh racism and sexism and all that stuff that god we're supposed to be the most powerful country in the world and we're still divided there's power in numbers not power in division that's when are we going to realize this when are we going to realize what is it going to take we're going to have to wait till the, the anti-monitor come down for real and come down and get us before we all have to all work together and say like oh we shouldn't have been having fights in the first place or some alien invasion or something like that. i mean what is it going to take when is it going to take for us to get ourselves together and just accept people for who they are and what they are and what they do it, it, it's their normality shouldn't have anything to do with your uh, normality just said it just should not so kate also had to decide on to whether she wanted to wanted the world to know more about her life uh as a not only a hero but her sexual orientation it was a situation that happened in the episode where she was saved by a male cop and if it sprung off you know media the media think and you know creating this narrative that you know this very well uh, this handsome gentleman who just happened to be a cop saved back a uh, woman and they were going to start some type of a uh, Superman Lois Lane uh, fling not unbeknownst to all of them that she is also lesbian as well you know Kate is nowhere near attracted to this dude at all um, so 
by the way, Ruby Rose really nails this role. You could tell that she is going to be, at, she's definitely taking the hand, the, uh, the baton from Stephen Amell. I think she's going to be really well done. You can see the mannerisms that Ali had as well from her in some cases as well. So I, I love what direction that they're going with her. Um, you know, her, then you got her stepsister, uh, who is still trying to cope with the death of her mother as like right before the uh the crisis came either alice killed her mom poisoned her she died uh to save you know her daughter and she's still traumatized and trying to come to grips with all of that as well as kate's father being framed and in prison so alice really screwed their lives up so bad and at the same time kate's still trying to find her sister within all of this kate's ex uh who also works with uh the agency the um that i forgot her name but she works with her father and she is also fighting with herself because she was you know she loved kate or she's trying to fight the she's trying to deny the understanding that she still has feelings for kate while still trying to get in, into a relationship with her husband or her fiance um so she's torn between that but her fiance just split with her because she he realizes that she still has feelings for kate even though she doesn't want to admit it uh so there's that situation right there and while doing all this she's trying to uh prove the chief's innocence kate's father so you got all that going on and she's now kind of trying to convince kate's sister her stepsister to not give up because she's given up on her medical her private underground medical uh center and whatnot too as well so you got all this going on and on top of this the effects of crisis has begun because the with the aftermath if you guys remember every new reality came into that so with that there's some doppelgangers <laughs> lurking around that world there's some um, people who are different versions of people from other earths that had that winded up coming into this world one of which is alice or her sisters i forgot where her sister's name but kate's sister has a double from another earth that is now on this earth and now everybody thinking that she escaped from the police uh even though she the real alice is held captive or where she was because she escaped after uh, uh after a while but um kate wound up getting napping her again and getting uh resting her again um at the same time because she was going after that girl who was hacking everything and was going through her th situations the girl that girl also just happened to find out that kate is actually batwoman and she discovered her because of the building that she's the the law i guess the building that she created in the first half of the season uh which was geared to you know to help people in the lgbt community uh you know find a place to you know be helped out in sitting and also to rival the restaurant that was directly across who had a bit of a problem with people in the lgbt community as well and i should add a cue to that as well uh, there's so many damn letters <laughs> um, but nonetheless she not only revealed herself to her i think this this girl is going to be a pivotal part of the series as well she I, i'm be interested in seeing what she's going to have to do with the series um but also they you know that same cop tried to shoot his shot and 
Batwoman wasn't trying to have it, and therefore it made a decision to reveal that she is uh, a openly gay woman, even uh, as a superhero and protecting everybody. And it's funny that the woman in the media who they have not shown yet has mentioned like, do we have to bring politics? When she first she was all about, she was all about you know this the cop and Batwoman getting together, and then all of a sudden when she finds out that she's openly gay then she wants to talk about like do we got to bring politics into it so it was kind of kind of a one-sided conservative type of mindset with that it was very interesting but the episode was good it was a good follow-up and then at the end um alice comes up the other earth alice comes up to kate just comes right into uh wayne manor and it freaks kate out because she doesn't realize that that's not the evil alice that's actually alice from another earth and that's going to just bring on to whatever happens this week. So they, they're off to a good start, continuing one storyline and then also, you know, transitioning on to other things. And you got to, you know, make sense of what happened at the end of Crisis. So they did a great job blending that together, I, I thought. But good episode. It's a, it's a slow burn to whatever is going to happen in the second season. But so far, I, again, I love Batwoman. Uh, Ruby Rose has really assimilated very well into this role and uh i think she's awesome i absolutely think she's awesome i think she's going to do very well in this series and i can't wait for the other new series that are coming out lois and clark uh that's coming out soon uh star girl they advertising that for the spring looking forward to that um then we get supergirl so remember we get to two hours of great cw shows i can't believe it's so funny that i'm saying that supergirl is such a great show now because the first season i it's i one of these days i'm gonna watch the first season again and it just that was such a bad season that wasn't that was the fault of CBS. I totally blame it for CBS because they I think that they limit Greg Berlanti and what they wanted to do with that as well. But it's obvious when he went to the CW for that. So this episode of Supergirl, we got Kara returning to the city as well, uh, knowing what's going on and everything that happened, only to discover that Lex Luthor, who was also very aware of what's going on at the new reality, rebirth reality, as the head of the now well-known deo which is hilarious the deo is what was it was it used to be an undercover underground agency you know trying to you know help out uh you know aliens and all those type of cases it's now open to the public it is now uh, projected and marketed as the new force for justice with supergirl and lex uh, as the face of the deo so you have that going on right now. I, I, John Cryer is one of the best things to happen to that to the entire uh, Arrowverse in years. He to me is in the running of possibly one of the best Lex Luthor's ever. That is a strong. I mean, Gene Hackman. Um, God, I forgot the other one. Gene Hackman. Who else? Um, my man from Smallville. Forgot his name. Who also plays the Flash? on uh, justice league unlimited uh who are else jesse eisenberg is nowhere near it never <laughs> um but you had other ones as well but john crier man he's really he's killing it he is killing it as uh, lex so we also have kara knowing what is truly going on and of course this sickens her to death that all of this has happened and lex rewrit rewrote a lot of what's going on and by this new reality that's happening she vows to find out and expose lex for what he is really and truly planning which is to retrieve the power of leviathan and uh obsidian uh 
So they mentioned that a lot on that episode. I'm looking forward to seeing where that left off because uh, Leviathan was a figure in the previous reality. So I don't know if he even still exists as a being in this reality. So that'll be interesting. And in the meanwhile, we got uh, Lana or Lena Luthor apparently does not remember any of the events that happened previously giving Kara a clean slate because you remember she kept her secret from her as to who she was and uh when she found out she felt like she was being used or whatnot so it it wind up it really wound up uh causing friction between the two and almost leading uh Lena to be a bit of a villain in herself and it that road is still hasn't come clear she's still in a gray right now with that uh Lena however still seeks to, uh, the need of someone that she could trust with her life and her plans. She tried to use the Miss Tessmacher and, uh, Android did not work as good or successful as she wanted to do. Now she's in between working with Supergirl, working with Lex and even her mother. Her mother is hilarious because he, she is every bit as evil as the father Luthor and, uh, in, in Smallville. They are remotely the same. It's so funny that they uh, have these kind of parallel characters in this series. Uh, so, meanwhile, the effects of Crisis has not truly cleared away for that uh, city as well. As a number of Brainiac 5s from different Earths appeared in the Rebirth realm and is trying to come up with terms uh, to, you know, with this new result. Brainy Prime is what he's considered now himself is trying to make light of the situation while also trying to fix the paradox doing so results in uh, him turning into what he fears the most so now he not only what not only did he have to deal with that they end up deciding to merge together doing that you know merging to him to be one and by and it was a female um brainy five as well from another earth too in doing so they also told him that he, in order to really succeed to the extent of his intelligence, he has to make sacrifices, one of which was breaking up with his girlfriend. And I, forgive me for life. I forgot her name because um, she's also a superhero. She's a transgender um, superhero in there. She's awesome as well. And um, they end up breaking up in the series as well. So um, I don't know that I, I can see that's going to be something that's of a uh, dangling carrot as to wondering if, will they ever get back together will brainy actually turn evil after going full prime you know with it now so it, that's going to be interesting to see and i forgot to mention when is back <laughs> when has returned to the show and that was the last thing i believe we saw at the end because uh, I think he's going to be win from the future with the uh, legions, uh, with the Legion of Superheroes, or he's just going to be another win. So I, it is going to be no. In fact, he is another win. He's uh, he's going to be the new Toy Man. That's what's uh, happening. So he is a win from another uh, Earth, and he's fully. This is what you guys remember during the. I think the first second leading into the third season, they were dragging out as to whether when was going to eventually become toy man and his father was actually toy man and whether his actual he was going to continue the heritage and the legacy of that well he never did he ended up working with the uh, legion of superheroes and going into the future he also there was other versions from uh, earth x as well but this particular one 
is in fact the toy man that everybody was leading into so that actually happened that was another great episode um i like the, i like this lead into uh crisis this follow-up to crisis better than batwoman but it, all of them were still good but this one was more, uh, very interesting here arrow arrow entitled arrow and the canaries takes us to the year 2040 where mia queen has no memory of the actions in crisis in this new future reality we find many of things uh that have been rewritten including the return of renee's daughter zoe who if you guys remember she was dead she died in the original future storyline of that so she she's back this reality rewrote her back in and more importantly and very interestingly mia is engaged to none other than jj who, who who if you guys remember was deathstroke in the last reality of the future but here he apparently never became deathstroke during the new reality at least not yet however another person has taken over the, that moniker and has begun uh plot when i say the moniker i mean the moniker of deathstroke and he's wearing a mask and everything and begin plotting to create havoc in the city now you got to take note this city has not seen i believe from what i heard uh, saw in the episode they haven't had any crime happen in almost 20 maybe 30 years if i'm correct it was a very long time uh so this guy start trying to start up havoc and doing so by attempting to kill one of a, a famous teen idol uh or social media i uh influencer if you will so uh back in the current timeline she is kind of living like paris hilton now i'm talking about mia so mia it portrays herself as this paris hilton like type of you know rich and famous kid you know from the queen uh estate if you will and from doing so you know she has she lacks the memory as of yet we then see black siren aka laura lance travel to the future to seek dinah uh, Drake, uh, who you guys remember as Black Canary in the previous future, she was a cop. And in previous reality, she was a cop. Uh, here, she has been sent to the future with no knowledge of how she got there. So I guess there lies a new story of how that happened. And if you don't realize this, this whole entire episode is a pilot to this new series that we're going to be getting so not only is i i'm truly believe that we're getting this because there's a comic book based on this as well that is out now or is going to be out soon for dc so this is happening this is absolutely happening this episode clearly states it and i'm all for it i love this new thea uh, i mean just mia uh queen i love the way that they groomed her for us to you know get uh custom to her and everybody that's involved with her as well this is going to be a great series i think this she taking the helm of the uh of the hood is going to be great she's more than proven uh, that she has the ability to do it so laura is back and laura has this new device that's created by cisco uh to mimic john jones's telepathic ability which helps bring dinah and mia's memory back to inform them that once again the peaceful star city will be in danger in a year from now and they got to find a way to stop it before it comes so it's up to them to try to stop them it should be noted that at the end of this episode a mysterious figure also gave jj back his memory which leads to first of all who had the device that laura had which was made by cisco so it might it has to be somebody that's tied in with the flash gang and 
what's gonna happen now that JJ has his memory back? Because Mia has her memory back as well, and she damn sure knows who she's dealing, who she's uh, engaged with now. And it's it's gonna be crazy. I like what the, what the direction that this is going. I'm all for this uh, new series that's coming out, which probably will be like next season after these after they finish the first few episodes. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. And then we got the initial return of Legends of Tomorrow in all its glory. You can't. Ha- th- th- I love this show so much. They return with humorous vengeance here. This show had Sarah and Ray return again, knowing everything that's going on from the uh, from the events of Crisis. Um, they return to the ship, also knowing everything that's happened, and the team has become a, a uh, the team has become reality stars, and now they're documenting all of their adventures without Laura's consent not knowing anything about it so she's she's walking into this laura's trying to come to grips with the still come to grips with the death of oliver queen um who died twice remind you so you gotta feel like you gotta understand how traumatizing that is it is extremely traumatizing for them so she's trying to remain calm throughout this whole entire episode and all everything is going on this episode was nothing short of hilarious i mean you had that one soft dramatic moment with with sarah but everything else um was just absolutely priceless um let's start how can i start this legend legends just continues to be the uh the guardians of the galaxy the arrowverse if anything the deadpool because there's a lot of fourth wall breaking it was a lot of tongue-in-cheek humor in this docu episode series you know them breaking the fourth wall of a lot of things nate was possibly the mvp of this episode especially the biggest i think the line of the night was when he when they mentioned that oliver died his response was hmm he should have never did a crossover i was done i was done and in the 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 running gag of the whole entire thing and the running gag of the crisis uh series of shows was that the legends most of the legends would not be a part of this because they refuse to be a part of a crossover because every time they are a part of a crossover they wind up something bad winds up happening and it makes sense it so makes sense because the last time all of the legends were involved in a and i believe they were involved in two crossovers the last one was crisis on earth x and professor stein died and left it, i can totally it makes total sense as to why that they don't want to do it but it was funny that they keep referring to it as a crossover i love that it, it was like you they're the ones that are breaking they're breaking uh the fourth wall they're breaking kayfabe if you will from the whole thing and nate was just spectacular and talking about that and trying to be this new uppity uh reality tv star it was hilarious mona as well was also funny because she cons- uh, constantly was trying to, you know, camera bomb in, in the entire episode and trying to be noticed as much as possible in this episode. And when she turned it to the beast, it was just hilarious. So this show remains to be a refreshing feel from the Arrowverse. I know there's some people who didn't like it, which is a minority base of people who don't like it, but there are other people who do. It's a to- I love the fact that it's one, a totally original show, not based on any comics or anything. It's just bringing a bunch of different, you know, random superheroes together to uh, to time travel and 
and then after that you know everything is all why everything in the other shows are all dark and serious with uh the subtleties you know you got fun legend uh fun moments legends go completely the other direction with this show um also do want to mention that you got black uh lightning too that also returned and they oh my goodness this show uh again one great soundtrack for this show two they continue to have a phenomenal soundtrack too uh, jefferson is dealing with a lot on a comeback of everything that's happening they're now merged together uh he's happy that superman is real but at the same time uh he's dealing with uh agent odell because agent odell is just going he is going crazy with what's going on right now with everything um his daughter actually now his younger daughter now realized lightning now realizes that you know odell has been using her and now she wants to kill him uh he's been doing he's doing way too much uh including getting their mother addicted to the green uh the green whatever it is the, the drug that she's trying to use to try to save the metas from dying and she's now addicted to it she's turned into like a junkie and it's causing so much sit, uh, of a situation in the midst of all this you got thunder who uh is working with the refugees and there's a there's a bit of a you know a back and forth between black lightning and thunder who is trying to see who is the leader of this gang and black lightning comes in after she has worked really hard to lead the this band of refugees to you know freedom or whatever and the, you know it, it's a whole thing so at least by the end of the episode you know uh jefferson wind up allowing her to lead the way and show that she can she has great leadership and to trust her more so that was a good thing but it's this whole thing is it's it's getting crazy on that show this is the i think of out of all the shows that they have had for the cw this particular show takes you to it's it's more realistic despite the fact there's a lot of powers and everything the narrative is way more realistic than all of the other shows on the cw all of the dc shows on a cw for that matter because they they really 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 i would say second to that will be batwoman because they both of these shows touch on some real world issues but they factor in the, the fantasy element to it um but man it is black lightning is always heavy and i think there's why wow, there's a big fan base for it there's also some people who normally watch the other shows but try to not watch that show because it's too heavy on some realistic things that unfortunately they don't want to have to you know listen to or deal with but we and i'm saying myself included be as an african-american have to deal with so we can relate to it and i wish i would my only wish is that everybody watch black lightning because there are things that are going on in there that does touch on some basis of reality that's going on today and i think people need to be conditioned and understand i just talked about at the beginning of this segment how we should take normality and accept us for who we are and what we do and not create this sort of divide of violence and evil and hate this show capitalizes on that in such a great way and uh i think this show is like the new york undercover <laughs> of of uh superhero comic book shows and i say that because of the mix of great of great soundtracks and music that they use and just serious you know uh nature of it it's it's really awesome so i am looking forward to it but you know post 
crisis all these shows are doing really well tonight is sunday so tonight we're going to get our next episode of batwoman and supergirl so kudos to them for that so folks that will do it for what's new in the world of acmg we're going to take a break come back and review the two netflix series i think you should be adding on your list and that is the knights of zodiac aka saint Seiya, and the third season of the chilling adventures of sabrina we'll talk about that right after this ladies and gentlemen this is dax xavier josiah the host of acmg presents talk time live the podcast you want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime comics movies and games such as this is miley flanagan the voice of naruto this is stephanie shea the voice of sailor moon this is ruben langdon voice of ken masters and dante from devil may cry hey there this is kyle abear the voice of ryu from street fighter 5 this is chris battle character designer of teen titans go here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! This is Tom Gibbis, the voice of Shikamaru Nara from Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. And it's not a drag. Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Wait. All right, folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review, actually my two reviews of Netflix shows. One, we're going to start with Saint Seiya, the Knights of Zodiac. Um, if you got again, if you guys know, if you've been anime fans for years. And I mean, like the ones like who are my age. I'm in, I'm 43 right now, so like I started watch. I've been watching anime even before it was called anime, which was right around the 80s. So I had Star Blazers, I had Battle of the Planets, I had um, what else? Robotech, if you will, later on in the years from there. But not knowingly, it was domed anime once Dragon Ball and Fist of the North Star and all that came in. So basically. The term was created uh, at that point, and other anime started coming in. You have Ramna One Half, you had Sailor Moon kick in. You know, this was during the tape trading era of this. So, lo and behold, you you had I mean, Tenchi Muyu too. Shout out to that one. That was a classic. You had all these really cool anime and or Japanimation at the time, and now then it comes Saint Seiya. Saint Seiya before Ronin Warriors, because a lot of people remember Ronin Warriors, and that's mostly due to the fact that Ronin Warriors was out during, you know, it was on, it was like nationally aired on on, on network, on like uh, UHF, you know, stations, like uh, here was, you know, before Fox, yeah, no, it was Dermal Fox. It was on here uh, airing on Fox at the time, and I'm sure it was airing on other places. So Ronin Warriors, was no more because it was nationally aired throughout the entire country. But no, a lot of people don't know that Saint Seiya was the original one of those. It was the one where they had all the armor and the, the magical, powerful armor and the techniques and all the stuff. Ronin Warriors came after that. And no knockoff of Ronin Warriors because I love Ronin Warriors. I love what they did with that show. But Saint Seiya is the original. It's just, it's just the same thing as like when people talk about what was the original uh, Power Rangers, if you will, that discussion. 
this is the case right here. Saint Seiya was the original first, you know, type of group, like a uh, superhero team like this. And this involved a character named Seiya who was destined and bound to wear what they called a cloth, which is like an armor or whatever like that. And it, it reflects on a lot of, you know, Greco-Roman and, and uh, mythology and Greek, uh, you know, uh, Greek Roman mythology, if you will, as well. And the cool part about the original series is that there's some kind of sometimes some there's some, you know, what you expect out of anime, which is like some Street Fighter like uh, fighting in here. But there's also some little bit of tiny bit of pro wrestling uh, aspect as well. The original series started off with like a comp like a tournament and competition in the ring that they had. And it involved the actual Athena in here as well. So they uh that that was one thing and then all the all of these saint Seiya teams you know the bronze you know t uh group were you know cloth was considered a metal armor here so they would fight off against other evil villains who also had their own cloths as well and then there was the search for the gold cloth and such like and, and, and such here so what netflix did along with Tue animation and again for those of you who don't know Saint Seiya is a part of the Shonen Jump universe, and that universe consists of Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Bleach, uh, you know, Naruto, um, God, a horde of others, so many others, um, Dr. Slump, if you will, you know, it's, it's, it's connected to all of those guys, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, it's all a part of, if you played the video game, uh, actually, two recent video games. One was J Star Victory versus uh, Plus, which I always talk about how much I enjoyed that game. And then last year's debacle, which was Jump Force. <laughs> they uh, all of those characters are together in here, and, and Seiya is in that in both of those games as well. So, uh, Toye Animation, along with Netflix, decided to want to make a new rebooted series. Which doesn't go too far away from the original story and narrative as well. In fact, this new version pays so much homage to the old one. It's astounding. The Just the, what they did with this show, I'm so amazed by it. I, take note, this is the way I like I view this. I actually, I feel that they paid a lot of homage, homage or respect to the original series in a sense. By giving, but giving it an upgraded facelift bringing it into 3d i used to really not like seeing anime turned into 3d because i'm a big fan of the traditional hand-drawn style of animation and the frame by frame and when it came to japan doing it they went so far into doing so uh great with hand-drawn animation frame uh work it was unlike any it was the appeal it was the rich it was actually the appeal of, of why people in america you know gener you know resonated from you know what we saw in the 90s and just went over to japan and started really to see really great animation to see great character design and that's what we got out of saint Seiya. even i'm watching like i said i'm watching it on screen right now i have on my screen the original series and it still holds up after all these years it's still really well done especially compared to when you look at certain things done today and they i thought that this this transition to 3d normally does result in eh, no this this new version 
this 3D version, I think they did such a great job in this. Uh, I, I really, really appreciate it. it. First of all, I remember, I'll give an example. Imagi, which is no longer here. It was the animation company that um, they did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or TMNT, which was a hell of a great um, you know, movie. They also did something else. I forgot which what that was too, but they were really great. They did Astro Boy. What I didn't like about that in particular was that they changed the art direction. It didn't look, it looked more like they Americanized it and it didn't, the design didn't pay respects to the original art style that was done uh, by the anime, by the creator of uh, Tetsuo Adam. But this and like other shows like Appleseed, I'm seeing it here, um, you know, Appleseed was really well done, but that was done in Japan too. This was done exact the character design that i see on the 3d version of this six episode season is exactly like what i see from the animated the original series which i'm watching right now the character design is exactly the same they didn't take change anything about it they just made it in the 3d and i thought it's awesome the way to do it and the, and the animation and frame rate is just spectacular in here so it's like you're just getting a th visually three-dimensional version of what you're already seeing from the original series I don't see why anybody would hate this show, but you know there's going to be somebody who's going to try to find it. Um, but the series has Seiya continue his journey uh, as uh, a saint in the order to protect Sienna, who is actually Athena uh, in, in reality. Uh, that They have a huge challenge ahead of them uh, as the Silver Knights have come to... Uh, to, to, to pretty much to come to do away and to kill all of the bronze knights in order to retrieve the gold cloth or the armor which is being protected by Saya. now the actual beginning of the first season does stray away from the original concept of the original series because there is no competition there is no uh, there's no competition or tournament that they're involved he's not already training with the uh with the gods or whatever like that they he's actually discovered that he has some type of potential and he's in search of his younger sister you know he his his sister's been missing like forever and he's in a search so there's some different storylines but as you gradually get into the second season you start to see some similarities of story uh storyline and narrative being used from the original series as well and some you know familiar scenes and everything so think of this like think of this as like a 3D version, like Full Metal Alchemist. There's the original Full Metal Alchemist, but then there's Brotherhood. They go in, they have a lot of similar, you know, episodes, but then there's a detour in which each other go into different directions. So that's kind of what's happening right here. And this is kind of, think of this as kind of the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood version of Saint Seiya for that. And take note, on Netflix, not just the original series is available, but they also have the OVA uh, episodes as well that are available here as well. So they got like two or three, like maybe even a movie that's available both in subtitle and dub. Gotta love it. Gotta love this series. So you got that. Seiya is also discovering his true power of the Pegasus along the way in this season as well. So that's one of the biggest focus here too. Uh, like I said, the animation is just absolutely phenomenal. In my opinion, I've seen anime. I haven't seen anime this good for anime. This and this 3D animation style, the CGI style. I haven't seen anything this good since uh, Infinity Wars 
which is available on Tubi TV. I believe it's one of their exclusives, or you can find it somewhere else as well. But I haven't seen anything since that was done by uh, them. And if you haven't seen Infinity Force, that's also an awesome series as well, because it's a crossover uh, series of uh, TV shows with crossover characters from the uh, Tatsunoku universe. I'm talking, um, what is it? Uh, what is it? Get up. Oh, I, forgot, I forgot the name of it. It's one of us, Ryu from Battle of the Planets. Um, not Gotcha Man, it's Wrecker uh, Man, I believe. I forgot, but it's a horde of different characters from that series that's on there. So that's on 2B TV, and I highly recommend that as well. That's a really good series. It's all a subtitle, unfortunately. There's no dub for that, but it's worth watching regardless. So you have that. The character design captures every bit of the style, as I mentioned. Seeing it in 3D is amazing. I mean, it's just you, you're going to love this show. You have to love it. I mean, you don't have to, but I don't see if you're a fan of this series, why you wouldn't love the show. The audio, the voice acting is really well done. Um, and again, like we may not have the Studio Ghibli, uh, Ghibli you know, collection for America, but having Saint Seiya is also another rarity that we do not have because to get this series, you would only you would only be able to get this in a DVD box set back in the day when Suncoast was out, and you would have to box sets DVD box sets of anime back in the day were so expensive. They were I think they still are now. They are like they were like a like over like hundred or two hundred dollars of DVDs that you would buy with the entire series in it. And it, the cool part was at least you would get like some. It's kind of the same thing as what you would get with um. With the video games now, with the uh, collector's editions and all that stuff, you would get some great items and really cool things. But you'd be spending like over like $200, $250 to get these damn things. Now you can get them on Netflix for like $12.99 a month or whatever. So whatever the price that is. But um, it, I just find it hilarious that we're, you know, we used to pay a ton of cash for all this stuff. And now we're getting like, you go to fun, uh, Funimation. Funimation is like $5.99 a month. To get the library, get like unlimited library of anime, five ninety nine a month. You can't beat that. That's a that's a hell of a deal, and that's including every single Dragon Ball Dragon Ball series in there that you had to pay a lot of money for. Five ninety nine a month, man. This is also in an age where we're also playing Neo Geo video games for about the same price, six ninety nine, seven ninety nine for a Neo Geo game that used to be two hundred bucks for a console that used to be seven hundred. <laughs> so good times very good times to be a fan <laughs> indeed so if you haven't checked out and watched the saint Seiya series which in fact is a part of the shonen jump uh series again in universe go out of your way to check it out add that onto your list on netflix uh i really enjoyed it you should enjoy it too i think i would give it an absolutely solid a for the season even though it was only six seasons uh it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, real quick, I just got a text from uh, Mega Ran. He didn't know that he beat Oprah's uh, text. He just texted me back, wait, what? Wow. <laughs> yeah, he just found out himself. I'm happy to inform him. He just beat Oprah <laughs> on, the t- on, on tweets. Also, um, uh, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, go out of your way to check it out. If you're an anime fan, and a real hardcore old school anime fan like myself, Saint Seiya is the ish. Trust me. All right, last review we got, and that is Sabrina is back, baby. Eight episodes this season. 
that's all we need because there's a lot going on in the season. If you got like any more episodes than that, man, it's just it's crazy. There was a lot going on in the season. So I'm really glad that it was eight episodes. I'm not mad that we didn't get more because I think if they added any more, it would have been dragged out more. It would have been too convoluted. It would have been so much going on. It would have been overwhelming. It was you st- it's actually still overwhelming now watching this season. But this season was indeed the deepest, darkest, grittiest season to date. There was a lot going on. Last season, they revealed that Sabrina was the daughter of none other than the devil Lucifer himself. Uh, that she also has a claim to the throne. Of course, being as Sabrina, she wasn't really too about having that. But she also uh, discovered her you know, her latent ability that which throffed the biggest threat that they had of that season they you know she went full super saiyan on them in this case in some cases so we also saw that her boyfriend nick uh was being kidnapped and taken into hell which left sabrina and her friends with no other choice than to rescue him from the clutches of hell and lucifer himself and i mean that funny thing about that i always like how they have these shows where all these kids in these in these counties or whatever like that they're so like and they have to do these really great things like buffy the vampire slayer they sound really confident at the beginning of going through all this and then when they get deep into the swing of things they were they always say we shouldn't have done this we really shouldn't have done this and then they get uh, ptsd and they get traumatized after the events of it at least to that extent that's real and i dig that and and this when it's talking speaking of ptsd this episode really covers a lot of really interesting themes and messages as well all things considered that they're focused it's a very satanic like uh show and story they still touch on some things like um women's rights uh you know civil rights with women and the right to consent or whatever like that and they really do touch on the things that rape and everything it, it gets deep in here it really gets deep amongst everything so the effects after after saving Nick from hell in the first episode, they, the effects of Nick uh, left Nick very extremely traumatized. He actually practically had PTSD because he was not only tortured, he was absolutely raped and abused by Lucifer himself. He raped him. I mean, it is Lucifer. It makes a lot of sense. And he did this in spite to really mess with Sabrina and the relationship, the knowing relationship that she had with Nick, it took him to the deep end. Nick could not look Sabrina the same. He began to be uh, torturing himself and cheating on her with sex demons. So that didn't help out either. Sabrina tried to uh, her best and understood the situation regardless of all this. She knew how traumatized he was. But I don't think to the extent that I don't actually I think she knew, but I don't think she knew to what extent. It's one thing to be. I don't want to say that anybody in a situation, anybody who's ever been abused, raped or whatever, a rape is a rape, abuse is abuse. But to be abused, if anybody to be abused by or raped by, by the darkest of the dark beings ever, that's, and then even fact, even at that, Lucifer has a way of affecting people majorly because he has to magic and ability that like even still he has a way of making sure that you're traumatized more than anybody else (laughs) so it it just took it that further it was just it's 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 it was just crazy but i like it because it was a humanistic moment for nick even though he is 
a I forgot what he is. is it whether he's a witch or what they consider a witch warlock, whatever. Um, you have to believe warlock. But even though he is what he is and he's from where he's from, that he's still human. He he went through something that humans go through, and he's not exempt from any of that. And that I did like that humanistic aspect. And he went through. He he started drinking. He wanted to drink his life away. So these guys, even though they don't consider themselves human in this world, he is freaking human. He did some human humanist things. He he's trying. He's in denial of it. Sabrina tried her best, but she unfortunately was heartbroken in the process because she ended up breaking up with him at the end so i mean that was it was deep and they're going to be going through some situations this whole love triangle and yes there is a love triangle between actually there may be i don't know what is after a love triangle love square (laughs) i guess because there may be another aspect of who may be in love with sabrina as well so you also Along with this, uh, there was a situation between Sabrina that uh, where Sabrina was destined to take the throne from hell and become the new ruler of the Dark Realm. This was supposed to be the thing. Lilith actually originally was she was originally going to pass it on to Lilith because she didn't want anything to do with it. But the appearance of a new being called Caliban rivaled her and therefore she took it upon herself to take the throne while Lucifer is away or gone or whatever. And, you know, just to spite him and to make sure that she handles it the way that she thinks it should be handled. She believes that hell should be for those who are who have damned Earth in reality. They are trying to take anybody. They're trying to manipulate people to sell their souls. She had to take she had to send take a guy to hell who she felt that didn't need to go to hell because he just wanted to be the best chess player in the world. And he did no wrong other than just sold his soul to the devil to be the best of all time. So she decided to take him to, um, to take him to heaven instead. And the, the covenant of that uh, realm did not approve of this and she didn't care. So, but they still felt that she needed to sacrifice a person to hell that came into the form of a ice cream, uh, a guy who owned an ice cream uh, truck who literally, to keep alive, to stay alive, he sacrificed children. He killed children and sacrificed them to hell to keep them alive for another for every seven years. Sabrina was not having that. She was, and, and in fact, the even bad part about it is that he kept her. He, in order for him to make sure that Sabrina didn't take him away, he had a kid already held captive in a freezer, and they had to find this kid so they can actually take him to hell and torture him for for eternity and she did just that and i love it that even though this is hell this is the devil sabrina still tries to find light within a shred within a horde of darkness and uses it to advocate for good i do like that that situation Boy, I tell you what, if I was still Jehovah's Witness, we would not be having this conversation right now. We would not be having this show at all. We probably wouldn't be having this podcast at all because some of the stuff that I even talk about, it will be unapproved by the Kingdom Hall. I will tell you that. But I am here. So that tells you there. (laughs) So on top of that, on top of all of this and more, a band of pagan witches who vowed revenge for the witches uh, that are now happening in Greendale for their past doings 
which once again leaves Sabrina in a rock and a hard place because she's trying to uh, save both realms from the destruction of all resistance of the planet. And then she has to deal with the pagan band of people that's trying to, you know, get revenge on the witches of Greendale. So that's all in that there. That's not even it. Even covering all the, you got the sub stories with Roz and Harvey, who continues to develop their relationship and Theo, who is coming more into terms with their identity. And I say there because she, uh, the, you know, the character Theo is gender neutral. So you got to mix with the pronouns. I'm still learning as we're going on, but respectfully. Not only that, Theo ha also has an interest, a uh, love interest this season as well, uh, in the form of a hobgoblin. I actually, I actually really do love what they're doing with the character Theo. The character is lovable. Uh, it's, uh, they, they are considering really just, understanding that this is a human being with a great personality and that's it i mean we're, we're entering a new world with a new mindset and philosophy how long this mindset will happen i don't know hopefully it will hopefully it'll be the beginning of just us ex again accepting us for who we are who we choose to be and what we want to do because that's their normality and just because we don't have to agree with it doesn't mean we don't we can't respect it so that's just there but i love the character i love what the character is about and i'm good with they with what they wanted would be or whatever so i love the new uh, hobgoblin interest as well and they keep you always wondering what direction theo is going to go but she is a valid member of the team and i like the fact that people in greendale high is starting to finally respect uh theo in this too I mean, it, it took like if you watched last few seasons uh theo had to go through a lot of trial and tribulation with these guys and uh now they respect uh theo for uh what what for what the character wants to be so uh this person it, it really is a really good deal uh what this person is going through throughout and you're seeing the transitions of this season they um there is also along with all this there's also um a take from this season because there's so much going on it's just so much to take from this um it's hard to all grasp everything i'm surprised i even got this much but for what it's worth everything going on in there is very entertaining uh greg belanti continues to excite fans all over uh it's speaking of which the very, very heavily teased episode in connection to Riverdale involving one of the main characters of the season, and that was the Blossoms. And that, and I mean, like, apparently there's an episode dedicated to Riverdale where they actually go to Riverdale and try to, uh, I guess, I don't know if they really try to resurrect or take the crown from um, one of the Blossom uh, family that died and this blossom one of the blossom family came back to life and all this and the bad part was i know when everybody who watches riverdale watched that episode i know for a fact that my, myself included even though i still have not watched one episode of the third season because aew is on the same day so i'm waiting till the season's over to binge watch everything but the fact that they went back to riverdale i was so mad that i was like just give us one character moose anybody 
anybody from that show to show but at least they did mention the blossoms on Aaron Cherry and it makes a lot of sense that there's some dark deep anything going on with her because that family is just ridiculously it's part of the reason why it's the murder capital of the world of America right now so it's I, I absolutely love that episode overall another enjoyable season um, that left us a lot to think about and a lot to look forward to in the next season and one of the things is that there are two Sabrinas now Somehow, some way, Sabrina went back in time, and instead of them merging together to uh, correct everything, she decides to flip the script. So now, one Sabrina is taking over Hell because she wanted to do that, but the other one is just living her life in high school and living as a witch. I predict next season this Sabrina in Hell, who's now the Queen of Hell is going to go rogue and it's it's it's, all hell is going to break loose and there's going to be such they create this paradox that they created is going to be is going to be crazy so uh, i really enjoyed this episode go out of your way to check both of those seasons out if you're a fan of riverdale and didn't realize that there's a spinoff another spinoff to uh that show sabrina the chilling adventures of sabrina is ridiculous i do want to warn people that this show is not for the weak at heart it is some really gritty horrific gratuitous content and narrative in this show it's not on a cw so it means that they can take liberties with this show and there are some things that if you're not used to horror movies or whatever like that it will creep you out or it'll it may make you sick it is some really really gratuitous things that goes on the show but if you look over that like you would say the walking dead and just look at the narrative and the character direction it is a really well done show once again greg belanti studios knocks it out the park so both of those between that and the knights of zodiac add them to your list guarantee you will not be disappointed folks that will do it for this edition of acmg persist talk time live thank you guys so very much once again for being a part of the show um and just you know enjoying what we have uh this week i mentioned this on a select start show this week on select start i have a really interesting indie game that came out this week called 1980x it is a consider it like a short film video game but it's a really intriguing game that it's partly old school gaming but there is a really good written well-written narrative involving a kid and how he's coming to grips with growing up and this I, without even talking about it deeply uh, i beat the game very it, it, it there is a it is very challenging but you play multiple different video games in it it's very challenging but it's also really good um it's really a lot of fun and you're more engaged with the story sometimes even with the game but i'll cover all of that this week on select start along with other gaming news going on in the world of our uh, gaming community so um definitely look forward to talk about that and whatever comes next week whatever comes it comes news whatever interviews whatever we're gonna have it again thank you all you can follow us first of all instagram follow me at daxavier underscore josiah and there you can also follow me and you can follow the show actually on spotify iHeartRadio, apple podcast google podcast stitcher podbean and my god if i'm forgetting one forgive me but um i believe youtube is one too but um and actually there's some streaming outlets that i never even registered for but it is an all major streaming 
outlets out there. So you have every bit of chance to listen to this show, our exclusive interviews. Go to TalkTimeLive.com to check out all of that and much more. You can go onto an exclusive page or type in TalkTimeLive.com forward slash exclusives and check all of that out as well. So, uh, folks, that will do it. On behalf of myself, all I got to say is learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and have a great week. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.